0: Good morning, everyone. Greg and Triss. Kicking off another week of recording. Self-reflection and personal growth because as my friend last week said, you can only look at the spare for so long before you really put together what you need to get done in life. I've been thinking about our talk of, you know, going to war, dealing with battle and my stance where the plowshares are just as important as the swords. And as much as we want to set you up for victory, I know that I want to help people Endure the siege. That's what you need. You need people in your life who can. Fight with you on the front lines. But also teach you. The art of surviving. Droughts. Famines. The sieges that beset our life. On all sides. These are things that can emotionally drain, psychologically tire, and otherwise just kill your will to live. But moving forward, one thing I want to do is while Triss here gears you up and preps you for the fights ahead, I want to make sure that you know how to weather the storms so that when you do come out of the gates and you do have to fight, you're not weakened. You're not submitted to the draining effects of what goes on around you. I want you to take joy in those victories that you find in day-to-day life. And harness them into the weapons that you need. To push forward. To help turn that anger. Into the resources you need. To cut a path in the world. That is your own. Well. Again those first. Dozen and a half episodes of. G&T. Greg and Triss. Were about. Getting to know the enemy. Now you need to get to know the terrain. You need to know. About the minds. That exist in the field. That you're about to cross. And also how they can benefit you. Because. Any negative that you face. Can be converted into something useful. I'm going to talk about things that are in everyday life that we've kind of just accepted as being a part of, but we haven't realized that they're impacting us in a negative way and how with just a little regulation, we can turn them into something positive.
1: On that note, how are you doing today, bud? Good morning. Nice to uh, be here. You told me what you'd be talking about today, and I got pretty excited because I think it's one of those topics that we've been building up to throughout the entire course of the show. Yeah. As you said, um, I think those first, what was it, 15 or so episodes, we d- like talked a lot about you know things we perceive as our enemies in the world, things that are holding us down. And I think we also looked inward a lot as well, to find things that we could be doing better and things that we were doing wrong and personal regrets. And I think today's topic will probably tie all that together very well into a uh, form of progress. Yeah, I agree. What you would hope to see, you know, after how many episodes of talking about these subjects, some kind of continuity going forward.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and so really like the main topic uh, that I'm going to start with is just what I can only describe as the, the legal addictions of day-to-day life. Um, and usually when people talk about addictions, you know, they're talking about, you know, um, drugs or other like habit forming behaviors that are inherently detrimental. So, you know, smoking, gambling, alcohol, that kind of stuff, um, But there are things that we have been so ingrained now to accept that we don't realize how much they play a part in our lives. Uh, The first one being, and this is the one that's obvious and a lot of people always talk about, but no one really does anything about because it's just so convenient, is the Internet. The access to it that we have, the ability to get lost in it for hours upon hours upon hours.
1: And the way it's designed to keep you there.
0: The way every site is programmed, every algorithm is made to have you spend as much time on it, down to the second.
1: The way it, it uh, traps your ability to communicate with people on a platform instead of just letting you communicate with them. Yeah.
0: The way it also kind of drops any like inhibitions and can manifest you in being a crueler... More vindictive person than who you would be,
1: or just make you believe that you are less than you are because you're getting these little snapshots of everyone's you know perfect lives that they've edited together,
0: or that you think that you are more than you are because every little thing gives you validation. It's a it's a strange double-edged sword I've found, uh, which is how far you can go one way or the other. But again, this, you know, this already starts to sound like, Oh, but Greg, you just said you weren't going to be, you know, talk about the negativities, but things like you have to talk about the negative to get to the positive. The internet has so many skills to offer so many tools, access to you, so many different uh, avenues of creativity. I'm not the best artist. Um, I don't even know if I'd qualify myself as an artist. I, I'd like to, to draw and make things. Um, and I, I do what I can. And I try to get my creative ideas out on paper, whether it be, you know, maps for games or storyboards for books. And through the internet, like, there are so many tools that can help bridge the skill gap Actually, lets you manifest your creativity.
1: I used one of them just the other week to make our new logo.
0: I mean, you've been you've been messing around with like digital synthesizers for the last what
1: three months now? It's been the course of the year, I would say.
0: I mean, these are just like, these are just small examples of how the internet, as much as it pollutes what's going on around us if you actually just sit down and decide that you want to do something with your time be it write compose something anything the tools are there for you to use you have access to them the trouble is is getting past the distraction of it to actually get to those tools because you try to Click on one of these, you know, ads being like, oh, like this looks like a cool design and you'll get, you know, 15 stories about errands in the wild or <laughs> how my boss tried to fire me and ended up costing him the company like the nonsense Reddit post that happen everywhere. But then that's just looking for one tool. And so you just get it's designed to give you everything that you want, but you have to wade through so many distractions to get to it. And if you're able to do that, for me, it's almost like a form of mindfulness. And the rough idea for mindfulness is that you are, you're focusing on in the moment. You're trying to clear your thought, your and your, your thoughts in your mind um, to a point where you're just able to focus on the moment. How you feel in a moment. How your breath feels in a moment. You know, when it, those kind of like in- out moments where you're just focusing on your breathing and if you think of it the internet is kind of like your mind with all this information and nonsense just pinging off randomly and some people i'm sure identify with the fact that it is sometimes it's tough when you have 500 different thoughts and ideas running through your head and all you want to do is focus on washing a kitchen plate it happens And some people, that dominates their life, and I I don't envy them. And when they find the energy to clean that plate, good for them. But these are things that happen. And if you're able to focus on what you want to get done, you can turn this vast, addictive world into something where every, what, two weeks, you could try to pick up a new skill
1: You could definitely pick up you know at least one new skill every week. I um, once I got serious about it, I found out that like when you commit to something and you just give yourself the time of day, like three hours or so, it doesn't take long to learn something. like I guess on paper, yeah, three hours some people would consider a long time, but if you're actually enjoying it and it's something you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like a long time at all. It just feels like fun with little bits of frustration here and there when you're trying to nail something particular. What you said about the internet made me think. Um, in Stephen King's biography on writing, he talks about like, what is reading and writing you know, as far as literature and books goes. And he described it as telepathy in that a person could inscribe their thoughts on a surface and somebody else can pick it up and read those thoughts from anywhere at any point in time. Um, That was written more with, like, physical books in mind. I think the book was made before the internet really spread out into what it is today, probably like the mid-90s. So when you think about it, with that description of what writing is, the internet is just telepathy on a much bigger global scale, and you're constantly connected to the minds and thoughts and feelings of everybody at once. And it's no wonder you become kind of overwhelmed by that and maybe in some sense lose your um, awareness of yourself and your situation because you just, you're just you connected to too many inputs at once.
0: Yeah, you end up having this disconnect where you either don't filter yourself at all and, and just let everything that you are permeate and like amplify out from you or you just reserve yourself so much because you're just being bogged down by so much information that you make this fake persona to to survive it
1: it's just coming at you from all directions but what you said more importantly was um how useful it can be and if we go further back in history to like any time before electricity existed really technology would be considered magic by a lot of people right yeah so the modern interpretation of magic is more superpowers and anyone who's seen the spider-man movies know with great power comes great responsibility because if you're not in control of the power that you're given it will control you and i think that's a big problem that we're approaching here
0: yeah, I hundred percent agree. That's I think the biggest one. You know, beyond you know what's been going on with uh, the vid, um, this is probably the biggest pandemic that we're facing. Is that we are getting so lost, getting so lost. Sorry, I had cough. Getting so lost in the fact that we have access to all this information, uh, access to thoughts and feelings from across the globe, that we are shifting all of our focus from the world that is around us to this digital
1: realm. I'm glad you said that, because um, that's something that I've struggled a lot with lately, where I've been working a lot of, you know, just segueing myself into better life habits and such over this past year. It's very much been a lot of rehabilitation for me. And I noticed that the more I've, like, distanced myself from internet life and relying too much on technology to just keep me sedated throughout the day, the less I'm really able to communicate with people I used to talk to all the time because it's like I'm living in a different world compared to them now. Where, you know, they they spend all their time on the internet, whether it's like on a video game or just browsing through social media, whatever it is they do, they spend the majority of their time on there. They live through it. That's how they talk to people and everything. For a lot of people, that's how they have relationships now, which is fine. I've had the best relationship, but my life was long distance. But when I personally removed myself from that, you know, situation, I do a lot more things in what we call the real world now and try to... Limit my computer time. Because I know that it was debilitating to me. I, I still try to keep up contact. With these people. But there's just not much to talk about. That we have in common. Because it feels like we're in two different planes of existence. Entirely.
0: Yeah. I've It's something I've come across too. Where. Um, a lot of people. Get used to. Building relationships online. That when you actually try to have a an actual relationship with them they they almost don't know how to do it they're so used to you know like friends through text maybe sometimes through voice call but if you were to try to meet them in person even like hey let's just go grab a coffee see how you've been doing check in they have no idea how to do it and these are people who at one time, were super sociable. It petrifies and I, I, them. Yeah, I, I definitely want to say that the, the current situation has not helped that at all. It is the, not...
1: The current situation, not... I think, with um, COVID and everyone being locked in for a year, I think that kind of puts a good example of... for people who weren't, you know... Aff- I don't want to say afflicted. It's kind of dramatic. I feel like we're uh, doing a Dr. Phil special there, if I say that. <laughs> But no, like the current situation took normal people who would just be outside all day anyways and, like you said earlier, took these extroverts and put them in a little bubble trap to the point where it's kind of stunted the social skills they had before. Yeah. So you take that and apply that to people who have been living on the internet for like five, six years, all their life maybe. Isolation does crazy things to people on itself. Yeah,
0: it really does. It's it's just wild again, like this is it's again it's just an example, people, of how with just a little time and stress, you turn again something that can be really useful into something that's just really addictive and dominating in
1: life. Like a moderation, I think, will be the big theme today.
0: Yeah. Which Is always a big theme for me, just in general. Moderation is important.
1: And once you know how to moderate yourself, you're free as a person because it's like everything you can do because you know how to control your pace and take that moderation, add a little bit of discipline in it. Nothing can stop you. Short of death.
0: Exactly. And so from there, I want to segue into the two other substances. And these actually go hand in hand because the amount of time that people do both of them at the same time. um, I mean, it's, it's why we have, you know, as many Dunkin Donuts and Tim Hortons in Canada and Starbucks thing. Talk about coffee and sugar. Now. Coffee is, is such an interesting drug with a history that I'm not even gonna begin to like fully explore. Uh there are I, I would definitely recommend people finding podcasts and whatnot with people discussing like the history of coffee. And I don't mean like oh like like the actual, you know, like where did like this coffee come Like I mean like the actual societal impact that coffee had on civilization.
1: Especially during the Industrial Revolution.
0: I think it's like just before that um, because it was like I feel like it was like first brewed like what the the nine hundreds or something again this is just again like people like look into this like fully but it's something that's been a part of our society for a long time um, and the same with sugar and the coffee by itself is super useful but we we have this world where we just have to work 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 and then you go home and you rest so people will have five or six coffees a day because they're they're mentally being drained they're physically being drained by these jobs that really don't have any purpose for them. They they are the meat grinder. And they need the fuel to get through it. And I've... Uh, I was for a while there. For uh, most of last year. Um, especially when I was dealing with stuff. Um, at home. Helping my family get through their the situation. Uh, I was drinking a lot of coffee. In a day. I I think I was almost at... It had to have been at least... 40 maybe 50 ounces of coffee a day 50 50 fluid ounces because i would get like i'd have like a big mug i'd fill it up like mad
1: how much is like a i I know with fluid it's weird but i think the average
0: cup i think the average cup is like eight ounces
1: yeah isn't like a pound like 16 ounces I think. Well, that's that's a different. Um, I know it's a total difference. Is it like completely different numerically wise? Yeah, like like okay. volume. Right, yeah, okay. volume wise,
0: like that many ounces would take up a different amount of space. And this is why I'm
1: not the, a math major.
0: <laughs> it also depends on like the. It's more science than it is math. Yeah. Because. Um,
1: Either way, strong. that's a lot. where you were drinking, though, like. Oh yeah, because I'm I mean, basically
0: like basically you break it down. Um, think of it as three like roughly three like extra large coffees
1: oh 50 o- okay i'm looking right now at my uh tall hydro flask i have here i drink like three of these a day to get my uh a day to get my daily fluid intake of just water yeah. and this thing is 24 ounces so you were drinking two of these every day
0: just doing coffee
1: just pure coffee
0: Co- Well, coffee with sugar jesus not a lot of sugar only like you know a spoon, but that's still a lot like it adds like, up like
1: that's going into your blood man. i know i know and that's what i mean
0: like that was it was a lot but it was it was how i could deal with the stress yeah yeah and i i realized it later on because there were there were just certain health changes that you don't you don't really realize like when i when i was on my own i i knew my schedules and what i mean by my schedules i mean bathroom routines i knew um I, you know, I have regular movements. Um, I knew when I would n- normally urinate because it's just when I intake my fluids and when I would feel the need to. And with the amount of coffee I was drinking, I could just feel the changes in my body. And, you know, you, you chalk it up to stress. You think, okay, well, I'm just stressed. And so that's what's doing it. And so maybe I need to relax and have another coffee and, and chill things. And you don't realize that it's really... The, the caffeine that's just, it's working through your system. It has so many, it's, again, it's a diuretic, it makes you need to pee. It's
1: your body pain. is also probably trying to purge out, like, the over-stimulant, the over-too-many-chemicals yeah. that you put in there. so much,
0: so much caffeine. My sleeping habits were completely screwed up, and it was just a wild ride. Um, since moving back to the town that I work in, my my caffeine intake has taken a serious dip and i'll be honest i feel so much better for it
1: yeah it's I'll, kind of a rehab process at first right like those first three days you kind of felt nauseous i imagine or at least very drawn towards everything that looked like caffeine
0: what's it like i have i have one coffee a day and I, I i mainly have it because when i wake up the it's made and so i'll just have a cup but I don't have anything. That, I drink it black. No sugar. No cream. Just pure coffee. Which in so many ways is so much better. But that one coffee. You know it helps. Wake up the mind. Kind of get things going. Grease the wheels a bit. And then you just. I go through the day. I, I get what I need done. But now that I've reduced that intake when I have that cup of coffee, it feels more engaging. My brain doesn't feel like it's being overwhelmed by the sensations of it. It also doesn't feel like it needs it, which is a really big thing because when you start getting those caffeine headaches, that's that's how I describe them. I, I could feel it. when just it's, Again, it's little things like that and but when you, you kind of regulate it and you manage it in a better way, like you can really use coffee as a useful tool. It's, again, it's, it's something that exists in the world that's been around forever and it can really motivate and fire your brain up in good ways. If you use it in that way and not as a, I need to make it through the day, just give me my coffee if you're actually looking at it going i know that this will help focus and stimulate my brain because i have goals that i want to achieve and you use it as something like that
1: treat it like a medicine performance yeah, enhancing me, drug really but a legal uh, I mean, performance anyways, enhancing yeah. drug
0: i mean like that's like a you know like a cure-all like a a charlatan's you know elixir but it actually, like it can give you results. The problem is, though, is that the, the whole thought process is, well, if I just keep taking it, it will just get me through the day. And if you're doing any sort of drug or substance or medicine, and the goal is to just make it through the day, is it really doing its job then? Is it really doing what you need it to do? If your goal is, if I just take this it will make life a little easier versus if I take this, it will help me get better or help me perform or help me achieve my goals.
1: I reached this point with uh, sugar, which you were going to talk about as well. Um, With sugar, God, I don't know when I got hooked on it. Probably when I was a kid, like most of America, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, for years and years i noticed that if i didn't get like enough sugar in the day i would my energy would be gone i would feel kind of sick to a degree and there were concerns that i may have been diabetic and such right Yeah, because that that feeling would go away the, the moment i just had like say a scoop of ice cream i would feel like a normal person again i'd be able to function so this past year i decided really this past month i decided you know that since I'm working on everything to do regarding my health, may as well take care of this as well. And I went for a sugar detox. I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago, the first attempt. Um, The first attempt was pretty rough because it was like I told myself, all right, we're going to stop eating like this entirely. Yep. And I ended up like there was the energy crash, of course. I had – um. I ended up feeling nauseous and I'm not sure if it's because of what I ate that day or if it was because of like a withdrawal of my body going, why am I not getting that thing I've got in all my life? Yeah. Whenever something like my roommates bringing home cookies would happen, I would be staring at those and I would be feeling like this pull inside my entire being of like, get the cookie, go get the cookie. And when you're feeling that, that's when you know you have a real problem. Yeah. When like there's an instinct in you that is demanding, clawing for it. So there were a couple of, um, it was like an on and off procedure for me where I was like, all right, now I'm going to have a little bit of sugar and then I'm going to go back on the detox in a week. And what ended up happening is last night, I've been at this for, I want to say like half the month of July now, okay. I, I decided, okay. I don't really want that cookie that I see sitting there. There's always sweets in this house any day of the week. They just keep bringing it home. Um, I don't really want that cookie that's sitting there, but let's just have a bite of it. And when I bit into it, all I tasted was the sugar. Not like the flavors that my brain would associate with it. Not that, you know, feeling of, oh, this is delicious. Let's eat more. I just tasted raw sugar on my tongue. So I put that aside. It was one little nibble of a bite, too. It was like barely anything. And it was just, the, the, the taste was so strong and aggressive. I didn't want it. I did the same with the donut. Same result. And I think what's happened is that I have managed to wean it all, like that dependence out of my system now that I can actually taste it for what it really is and has been this entire time. Just sugar. Just a raw substance that. You know, you can blend it to improve something's taste, maybe. But at the end of the day, you definitely don't need it as much as you think you do. No. Now, here's the thing. Throughout this entire process, my roommates, who mean well, I think. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people will mean well and still give you bad advice. Mm. It's another recurring theme here, I think, that we have on the show. But. My roommates would see the state that I am, right? Like going through these withdrawals, being exhausted, not having the energy I had before at first and whatnot. And they'd just be like, look, dude, just eat sugar. This is dumb. This diet is dumb. And don't get me wrong. There's definitely times when people take a diet way too far and they don't moderate it. And I do it from time to time too. Yeah, from time to time too because... I like to just experiment with my body and see what happens when I input this or remove that input. So it came from a place of concern. But if I had, you know, conceded, hey, you're right. You're giving me permission to just keep going the way I had been going before. You're telling me it'll be good for me, so I will acknowledge that and just keep doing it. If I had conceded that, then I wouldn't have reached my point last night of, You know, this realization of what sugar really tastes like. Yeah. And furthermore, since then, I used to have insomnia. And when I say I used to, I mean I had, like, insomnia up to a month ago. Once I went through this detox process, my sleep has never been better in my entire life. I sleep deep. I sleep good. I wake up. I'm rested. Yesterday, I went to um, bed the night before at 12 a.m. Woke up at 5:45 a.m. and I was just I was good to go. No, I had a little bit of a crash around like 7 or 8 p.m. because I think my body is still adapting to some changes here. But I functioned yesterday with the best energy ever. I got everything done. I got it done well. And Overall, I just felt good about myself because I did it all on my own merits, you know, without really anything enhancing my performance, short of just health habits. And that wouldn't happen if I took the advice of your detox here is a hard thing to do and it looks painful, so don't do it. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a bit, just how there are people who whether or not they mean well they will keep you in a bad habit
0: oh yeah no whether, I, and, and
1: and it could be because it, like you know they're concerned for your health or it could be because they don't want you to leave that bad habit because if you leave they'll be alone
0: yeah we'll definitely explore that i know i definitely want to talk about my own experience uh mm. with the sugar too because it's it's a it's a similar thing i every 2 days uh, I try to go for a, a good anywhere from five to to ten kilometer walk every day. Um, it just depends on the weather, how humid it is. Some days I just don't feel like going the full ten. Some yeah. days I'll, I just you know I do a five. You know I go over a couple bridges, across a couple rivers, and do a good wander. Um, but every like two days, um, and this is like my one sugar treat really. Uh, how it is? I, I go to a coffee shop, and I get. Um, like a like a cold blended coffee. Those things are always doped up in sugar. It's just the way it is. But like that's it. That's my one thing in the in the morning. Don't have anything with sugar. You know I don't have any other uh, sugar items like throughout the day. It's mainly just water. And that's it. That's what that's why I drink occasionally milk. And then again, the sugar's in milk. But that's just again, I'm I'm doing more so doing that for the calcium and whatnot. But it, I, I, don't, I don't go crazy in sugar. And again, similar thing where these little changes like how much coffee I drink, um, how much time I maybe spend on the Internet, how much sugar I intake have affected me in such a way where it's the same of, you know, I'll be up till, you know, 11, 12 and I wake up at six. No alarm. No, nothing. Wake up six. Boom. Rested. Ready to go. And it's because of these little changes. And this is something that I think people really need to grab onto. And it will be a recurring theme because I've said statements that are going to be similar to this. The little victories matter. So micro changes that you make to your life, little dietary shifts can have macro impacts on your life. Something as simple as cutting down your coffee intake to one cup a day can have major impacts on your life. At the start of it, it might be rough. Just like you're saying with sugar, you're going to go through withdrawal. You're going to have – If it's it's a part of your
1: lifestyle, it definitely will be rough.
0: It's going to be a rough time.
1: You're changing your life essentially. You're changing your chemistry of like your blood work, your organs, and your brain growing pains exactly so and,
0: and so you'll you're going to face these challenges but after you make it past that hard part and this is something i think you can be, to apply to legitimate addiction where you know these are people who are on substances this is why rehab is so important like those for that first hump there that big step there it's really hard to get past but if you can get past it like there is a road where life gets better after you work past the addiction.
1: It doesn't just get better. It gets to a point where you look back on the life you had before and you're like, I could never do that again. I would never want that again. Cause you see how detrimental everything was.
0: Like I said like, that was just, it's these little changes that you can make that will actually make big differences. Uh, but yeah, now I want to go back to what you were saying mm. and, and, my best cover point for that is others will try to minimize your success. This is, this is something that will happen. And sometimes they don't mean to do it in, um, like I said, your you know, best intentions, you know, I see that you're suffering. I just want you to, to to stop suffering, but that's them basically like looking at you, trying to do something better and like really like bring it down to almost something bad. Like they want, they do. It's almost like they want you to kind of fail so that they can feel comfortable with how they live. It's something that happens a lot um, in these cases where if you're making positive changes in your life, other people, if they see you doing it, it's almost like, why? I live this way and I'm happy.
1: You have to. You see this happen when like people take on an extreme diet like if they decide to go vegetarian to help lose weight or just you know have what they think will be a healthier body and then there are people who just take offense to that and i'm not talking about the person who just won't shut up about their lifestyle habits to the point where it's annoying and you need them to be quiet i'm just talking someone does it you know and then they get scoffed at for it or yeah like i
0: mean like i'm i'm a bigger guy my my girlfriend you know she's she's in the same boat as me but you know what she is actively trying to go to the gym better her diet she's doing so much to to improve herself but she gets snarky comments from people when they see her trying really now she she got it the other day where she was out like looking for for gym clothes and this couple were basically like snickering and like mocking her because she was out there like trying to live her life. That's what I mean. Like you, people are like constantly trying to to undermine people who want to make their life better. And it's it's so petty that this constantly happens. Um but all I can really say to that is um like Know that they're going to do it, but don't stoop to the level.
1: Especially if they're strangers. Like, if they're strangers, then you just got to... Honestly, in my mind, most strangers, are like, I default them as potential enemy. And I don't let the enemy have a vote on what I do with my life, you know? Unless it's, like, something I have to do to defeat them. Yeah. That's their vote. Yeah, that's fair. I get that. But then the problem is there'll be people, you know, in your life who will also do these things.
0: That's where it's real dangerous because if you know them and they're close to you, you value their opinion and it makes you question what you're doing. And it's just, it's, it's again, I think it goes back to the whole idea. They kind of want to keep you in their space because if you're at the top of the shit pile, if you're staying at the top of the shit pile, you want to keep other people in the shit pile. Because if you're at the top and they aren't, you, you feel pretty good about yourself. But the moment someone moves away from the shit pile, well, now you, now you, know, the, you, you sink a little bit. And then you see them, you know, making their way up like, you know, a rough treacherous pass well now they're getting higher than you I can't have
1: that or worse they just flat out choose to leave the shit pile and go to a pile that isn't composed of shit
0: exactly like they want to keep themselves on like the top of their their shitty situation where really if they just followed suit and decided to go to a different area and improve themselves they wouldn't be in the shit pile they wouldn't feel like they need to do this to people
1: you and i had a mutual friend up to recently who i you'll recall i would very often like do these experiments i do with my life and try new things and take risk to see if i could put myself in a better position and every single time this person would have something bad to say about it right yeah A good example was um, a year ago, I was living in an empty apartment in Wisconsin, and there's a whole other story I've talked about on this podcast before, where bottom line is I was waiting for a um, spouse at the time to move in with me, and she never showed up. So once I figured out she wasn't coming, I I was very miserable at this place. I didn't want to – I'll talk more about this probably next week, honestly – But I was very miserable at this place. I didn't really like the location I was in, and there was just no opportunities for me. So, you know, I left. And I still had a lease that I had to pay off, but I just, I waited, and staying in to pay a a lease for a place I didn't really want to live in wasn't worth it. And I would take the consequences of that if they did come. So, you know, I moved here to Long Island, And this mutual friend of ours greatly disapproved of that situation to the point where like months would go by and they would still criticize it aggressively, I will add. Now, I will say that this friend of ours, um, their spouse lived in that place that I left. They helped me get there, actually. And I have to wonder how much of that disapproval was because I left their circle, you know, Yeah. Ultimately, their criticism didn't matter to me because I knew that what I was doing was the right thing for me and it's paid off. It paid off even at that point and it's done nothing but paid off since then. But you will have these people in your life who say they are your friend but the moment you try to do something good for yourself the tone changes. And those people... Those people are kind of an addiction in itself, I would say.
0: Yeah, they, they kind of get stuck in their behaviors and um, they can be. They...
1: A toxic person with redeeming qualities that do make you appreciate their presence at times. This especially applies if there's like a romantic dynamic to it for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, the toxicity is still going to sabotage you.
0: Goes, it goes back to something I, I say a lot, and it's, it's one of my favorite words. It's like they're comfortable people. Yeah, it's it's easy to interact with them. It's easy to be around them. You don't have to put a lot of effort to interacting with these people. It's just like, oh well, you know, there's these few things that I don't like, but if I just don't worry about them, you know, it, it, it's not a big deal. You know, if I don't worry about one person being a, a known catfisher and the other one being a known catfishing sociopath, then <laughs> then sure, like everything else about them seems fine. But you you ignore like blatant red flags um, for comfort.
1: Another thing about these people, and we're we're gonna get back more on topic of addiction here, but this all plays hand in hand. Is that many of these people will be hypocrites. The things they will tell you not to do, they'll end up doing themselves without a second thought. Yeah. The same person, <laughs> years ago, I expressed interest in like learning music and maybe trying to make an album and such, and they were nothing but critical of the idea. You know, they were like, well, do you know how to play an instrument? Do you even know how to sing? I was like, well, no, but these are skills you can learn, right? And, um, they, you know, they went on and used that word. People like to use talent that means nothing to me. Yeah. And, you know, how some people just are meant to do some things and others aren't. I come to find out that recently they are now a part of a band, even though they've never played an instrument or sang. And my now bottom this, line with all of this, well, my bottom line with all of this is that these people won't will act like they're telling you something like it's good advice that they have your best interest in mind, but then they don't live up to it no.
0: and I think the the point of thing is like when this these situations happen especially uh, ones where uh, you no know, they'll they'll pull this out on you and then they themselves will you know uptake everything that they put down on you the the sweetest revenge and this is really the thing that big heart your people is the sweetest revenge is wishing for their success Hmm? when if they if they pull this on you there's there's no value in stooping down to their level no to, to deny them the the support that uh they basically denied you if anything Give it back to them. Don't put yourself at a disadvantage to do so, but encouraging someone to pursue it, do it. Because if they succeed, and you never have to mention it, it's something that you're going to know. If, if they succeed at that and you and you back them, you can take solace in the fact that, and this is really what it comes down to, at the end of the day, you were the better person. You You made the better call. Because you put aside the animosity that they, it's almost like they threw at you. You put it aside and instead just said good for you. So I agree
1: with everything you just said, except for one part. Okay. And that's just the use of the word revenge. Because I think at that point revenge is no longer even a factor. I think you're making a personal choice for yourself to be a better healthier person who doesn't worry about these petty things.
0: That's fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Portrait of words, I'm, I'm more than willing to consider no, that. No, I no.
1: Mean, it's not the point. It's a technicality. But it does lead to a point of, because what you said was very much true in that I think the best way anyone can better themselves is by just choosing to better themselves and representing that through their actions, no matter what anybody tells them. Like your uh, your girlfriend, you know. Yeah. She got laughed at by strangers, right, while looking for clothes? Yeah. Who are those strangers? They're nobody. Yeah. Nobody to her. What she's doing, though, is every day making little micro transformations that are going to turn her into a person she's more happy with being. And I think that's the most powerful thing a person can do in the world.
0: Like, nothing Not- makes me more proud of her when she tells me how excited she is to go to the gym how she miss how she misses going to the gym like to hear that from someone who who before was like a lot more like reserved in their shell this is someone who I'm so happy I've gotten to see the changes that they and this it's changes that they wanted to do they they needed a little support and they got there and to hear that, to hear that someone's happy with the choice that they've made is, in and of itself, intoxicating. I like I like hearing people being proud of the changes that they make in their life. If there's one thing that I would say that I I'm happy to be addicted to, it's about hearing stories of others' success. That is a good addiction.
1: I don't know if we'd call it an addiction, but if it is an addiction,
0: it is a good addiction. That's what I mean. Like if it is one, it's what I want. Because I like hearing about people's success. There's this again, it goes back to kind of how we've shifted from the negative to the positive. It's everywhere you look, it's negative stories. Because if someone's if you're supporting someone's like success or whatnot, like it's considered like bragging and selfish. And you know what? No. People should be celebrated. They need examples.
1: They need role models who are real people that they can look after. Like participation
0: awards. Don't
1: do it. People like get things
0: done. Celebrate people who do the work.
1: And I want to go back again, back to what we were talking about our old friend, you know? And the thing is that if someone tells you, you can't do something, we can again, we can say maybe it does come from a place of well meaning. Maybe they are generally scared for you in some regard. Maybe. But if you show them that they're wrong, if you show them that what they believe is wrong and that you can do whatever it is you're trying to do if you put yourself to it, then what you've just done is you've changed their perception of reality to a degree by challenging what they believed in and proving No, you can pull this off if you, you know, put in the work. And when you challenge people's perception of reality, then they have to change it. Either that or just willfully choose to ignore what's in front of them. You're never going to win with someone like that. Don't bother. No. No. But many people, you know, you will alter their perception and therefore you will alter them. And maybe in doing so, help them become a better person for themselves as well. Now, I'm not saying try to change people. Don't go into trying to change anybody but yourself for the better. But just by living through example, you know, it makes a big difference.
0: Which kind of leads into my next point of um, when you're dealing with these encounters. There's a there's a big difference between uh, forgiveness and forgetfulness. The two of those those two things um, often get Combined and misused. There's this when when people do these kinds of things to you, and, and like you have these success stories, and sometimes they double down. Sometimes they double down on their critical nature, uh, or they've done something to actually like hurt you in some way. You know, first of all, no one's entitled to your forgiveness. I think that's a really important thing to take later. Like, forgiveness is for you.
1: It's a choice that you make.
0: It's a choice that you make, and it isn't for them. They're like, I need you to forgive me. Be like, too bad. You have no... You don't owe anyone uh, forgiveness. Um, you can forgive someone when you're ready. But oftentimes what happens is people believe that after you've like forgiven someone... Or tried them like move past something that you have to like forget what happened.
1: That's the phrase, isn't it? Forgive and forget.
0: Yeah, but that's that's a horrible idea because if you forget about what happened.
1: Just discard the data that you have.
0: What are you gonna like you're gonna act surprised if it happens again?
1: Are you not gonna plan around it if it's like whatever happened was perhaps a habit that could happen yeah. again, you know? You're not going to plan you, for that? If you choose to forgive someone,
0: if you choose to, to make that choice, people need to understand that they're well within the right to not forget it. And every social interaction after that will be dictated by it. It's one of the reasons why you and I stepped away from that friend group. Is that there were, there were certain things, there were certain habits that at first we had kind of we'd kind of forgiven, and it was, I it was
1: a character flaw, you know. It was
0: it was it was some it was some glaring character flaws, and we had kind of forgiven. And in truth, at a certain point, we had kind of forgotten. We we had really put it on the back burner.
1: We're talking things like uh, prejudice, I would say, and
0: um... prejudice, manipulative tendencies, mm. just a, a lot of a lot of things like that. Uh, and this is a few people it's not just like one it was like really like when you break it down it was it, there were instances where it was like at least 3 or 4 there was there's a few people through different circles who all kind of knew each other and you you put these things aside you you put them you put them off uh,
1: cuz nobody's because, perfect right so it's like all yeah, right exactly. well i'm not going to yeah. throw you out the window just because you have these little flaws here cuz at the time they just seemed like little flaws that you could work with then, yeah, but then you think
0: about it, and then you see patterns, and this is why it's so important. Cause then things kind of pop up again and you go, Well, why am I surprised? I, I, I should have known, like I should have seen this coming. And it's because you, you get lost in the whole idea of that this expectation that once you've forgiven someone, uh again yeah, you have to forget it. Like don't don't worry about what happened. Don't worry about what they did um and if you do worry about what they did well then you didn't really forgive them did you i'm like well no that's not how it works
1: not if, only that uh, but you know if they're a part of a friend group then you're probably invested in these people and the more invested you are with them the more you want to not abandon your investment right
0: yeah we, we put time and effort into any sort of relationship the last thing you want to do is just you know grab a book of matches throw it on and be like okay it was good
1: Or not so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's the last thing you want to do. And you can't sit there and be so willing to subscribe to this idea that when these people, and again, it, it kind of goes back to the whole idea. When these people put you down and deny what you're going to do, Uh, and the whole idea is the best thing to do is to support them. It means that you can find forgiveness, but you're not forgetting what they've done. You know that, that they have taken those steps against you to try to minimize your success and you're choosing to move past it, but you'll always remember what they did. And this is, again, this is how it all weaves back and together, um, these relationships these dynamics they are they are far from two dimensional i would say oftentimes they are not even three dimensional they are these four dimensional messes that exist on so many different planes that you have to look at any given situation through multiple lenses don't unlearn the lessons that you've gained from these people for the sake of it will make life easier and more comfortable.
1: More convenient. It's more convenient to stick with what you got and just make it work than it is to hit the road and look for something better out there. Because the road is tough. As we've seen in the movie, the road is a tough, scary place full of unknowns. And just your imagination goes wild with all the danger out there, all the things that could go wrong. And if you leave home, the group that you're in, The people that are kind of your tribe. Are you going to find something like it ever again? Are you going to find home ever again? So you want to stick with them, right? You want to keep your life consistent. But now we're going to go back to addictions here and trying to make personal changes and just lifestyle in general. And if you know that you're not happy with your lifestyle. If you know that your lifestyle is, at best, not making you happy, at worst, killing you, doesn't that mean you kind of have to change your life in a way? And really, that's what all this is about as far as talking about these people, because these people are the people who will keep you in your life that you know isn't doing it for you.
0: And it's also, and again, this this is really how I think it ties back to our previous discussions about the addictions, like, These people, if not used in the right way, are detrimental. But anything that's detrimental can be used in a positive way. You can take lessons from them. You can do things in moderation to learn from it. And then when you no longer feel that commitment to what's holding you there, you're able to move on and grow.
1: I like that—that lack of, you know, not being committed to everybody that's in your life. Yeah, that was a hard lesson I had to learn over the past year.
0: Well, this is—it's the expectation. Uh, It's—it's one of the reasons why a lot of the time when I meet new people, uh, and I'm slowly integrating them into my my circle of friends, as it were, I'll often use the term acquaintance
1: um, because kind of hold them back at a distance just a little bit.
0: It's like, listen, I like being around you. I like I like the time I have, but I don't know you well enough to to offer you that. It's like, oh, well, you've known me for a few months. I'm like, just because I've known you for a few months doesn't mean I know you. I'm not going to commit this uh, effort as as hard as you think. Like, You're going to get a lot of me, but we're acquaintances. You are going to be held at a distance because uh, I need to make sure. I need to make sure that I'm not going to just blindly accept someone into my life without some sort of understanding of who they are. Just take it everyone for always, granted. Everyone tries to push the whole idea of like, but you have you're my friend, you're my friend. I'm like, yeah, but that word means a lot. It's it's very much like the idea of love, like love and yeah. friend are thrown around really loosely i'll have
1: people that i've known for like a week or two on an internet game and they'll be like they'll tell me good night i love you and i'm like you do not know what that word is <laughs> no
0: and this <laughs> is the thing it means these words mean to,
1: to love mean, someone you. to me is to be very committed to them you can't yeah. love someone after knowing them for a week
0: yeah. And again, some people will argue against that and that that's their right to uh
1: Maybe to you could be in way. love with someone, but being in love with someone is just a romantic thing. It's not. Yeah. You might
0: love the idea of someone. I I think that's a really big takeaway.
1: You might love but being you... around them, but I to me love is like I'm going to take care of you no matter what happens. You know, we are in it together.
0: Yeah. Like be it, you know, like your your blood brothers or uh, yeah, it's a partner. Like it doesn't matter. Like just someone who you've decided that unless they seriously break your personal code, you will stand beside through it all.
1: So, what you were saying about giving people kind of like a trial period before you really, you know, bring them into the fold. I do the same thing, and. When I see someone do things like that, like use the word love so liberally, for me, it's a red flag. And maybe this is a me problem, but I I think it's a good philosophy to have where if I see someone, you know, speak with that language so liberally with everybody and, you know, watch their behavior a little bit, it kind of tells me you're a person who probably doesn't understand commitment. And I need to be around people who are, I'm not saying you got to marry me. You know, if you know me, you don't have to marry me. But I need to know you'll go through with things. I need to know that you'll have other interests besides whatever just catches your eye that week in mine, you know, other people's interest. That you're not a tourist in my life. That's a term I've been using a lot lately, these tourists that come into your life and they like your personality and everything for a little bit until they find the next thing. Then they tired
0: and they want to move on.
1: and Yeah, and just, you, you can't get a conversation out of them after the fact. Yeah. Um, But the whole point of that is, like, being selective about who you put in your life. Because if you're going to start being selective about what you put in yourself as far as chemicals go, if you're going to be selective about what habits you have, you've got to be selective about who is going to be in your life as well. Because you can be surrounded by people who... Let's say you're trying to sleep better. You're trying to wake up earlier, go to bed earlier as well. And your entire inner circle is a bunch of night owls who don't care. They don't care, you know, they don't have that feeling of, shoot, I wasted a day when they wake up at 12, 2 p.m., you know, yep. and they don't care about consequences of staying up till 4 a.m., 5 a.m. when the sun rises. And, you know, if they're happy with that, so be it. I'm, I'm not here to judge people, but I am here to say that those people will, will not understand your stake yeah. in wanting to wake up earlier. And, in fact, they may, in some regards, feel kind of divorced from you as a result. Yeah. Because why aren't you hanging out with them anymore? I so think you- that...
0: I think that relationships aren't habit forming. Um, I think would be a gross misunder like a, a gross like misunderstanding of how relationships are.
1: We're made up by the people we surround.
0: Like the, like relationships are based off of behaviors and reactions and habits and interests. Like that that's what a relationship if you start breaking down what a relationship is, like it's a quintessential part of a relationship is the habits that you form with people. Because That's how they connect with you. Oh, you have similarities to me, and you like dislike the same things I dislike, and you, oh, you like to stay up late? I like to stay up late. Like, everything is based off of your habits and your preferences. And so if you surround yourself uh, with people who habitually are not beneficial to your development, then those relationships are bad habits that need to be broken.
1: Yeah, there is a positive to this as well. And it's one that's kind of helped me through this period of walking the road between tribes, you know. And that's that if you're making good changes in your life and you're embracing new things and, you know, trying to do whatever it is you need to do to be healthier for yourself, you're not the only one. There are other people out there. And eventually, by doing all these things you need to do, whether it's, you know, waking up earlier, eating different taking on a sport maybe, or just going to the gym, you know, uh, trying out a different career path that won't make you want to kill yourself on the job. By doing all these things, you're going to meet people who are more like the person you want to become. And you're going to be surrounded by them. And they're going to influence you, and you'll probably influence them as well. And you'll, above all, feel like you're somewhere you belong. And I think that's a very optimistic thing to have there. Because, yeah, the road will be lonely for a little bit. There's a transition period there. And maybe it won't be lonely. For some people, some people can just walk into, like, a place and meet somebody that they just click with. And that's it. That's the start of a whole new social network there. Not social network as in, like, hey, give me your whatever, Instabook. Insta okay. But more of, like, yeah, what do you do? Cool, let's hang out. Hey, I got some friends I want to bring. Would you be cool if I brought them? And then suddenly you're meeting a whole new world of people. And when I say a whole new world of people, emphasis on the whole new world. Because these people will have different experiences, kind of different personalities, and yet at the same time echoes of personalities you once knew to those people you knew before. That's kind of the beauty of it. That once you get through the, uh, we'll call it the detox phase, of just cutting out, Or at least moderating anything detrimental in your life. Once you get through that detox, everything has a much more positive energy to it that just feels full of potential.
0: And something else to highlight is and it kind of goes the whole idea of like, you know, meeting that whole new world and that new group of people. But also, sometimes after you get to that detox, it feels really good to just walk that road alone for a bit. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes you need that, that time to be like, you know what, I, I just got through a hard situation. I really want to take a look at the world just through my lenses. Because when you start interacting with other people, you know they they lend you their lenses, and you start seeing and interpreting things not only through your lenses, but through the perspectives that they present to you. But sometimes sometimes it's just really refreshing to exist in that loneliness and kind of own it. Because just as it's important to moderate your social life and your interactions and your habits um, with outside sources, it's really important to have moderation within yourself. You need to be able to, at times... Just sit and deal with yourself so that when you, you know, you're you trying to go to sleep or you're trying to bring your mind back to a moment, you actually have that practice. It's, it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you need to exercise and work out. And if you don't, you, you lose touch of who you are and then you go back into the social elements and you try to prescribe everything that's around you into defining who you are again. And it's just a, a vicious cycle that can happen where you got out of one detox and now you have to go into another because you didn't take the time to properly exercise yourself in other areas.
1: It's like trying it's- to um, paint a portrait on a canvas that's already covered in wet paint all over the place versus yeah. just taking a blank canvas and working on that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> with this blank canvas, you don't have to worry about blending colors that are already there. You don't have to worry about, even if it's dry paint, you don't have to worry about trying to make sure that the paint is thick enough to cover the previous colors. Blank slates are good. There's nothing wrong with it. They can be risky sometimes, but in life, everything's
1: a risk. Being born is a risk.
0: Yeah. So wouldn't it be better to take a risk that could benefit you than take a risk and know that it's just the safe choice?
1: The road could be a big, lonely place sometimes, and it could be dangerous too, but out there you'll find silence, and in that silence you'll be able to hear yourself again, maybe for the first time in a long time. And when you can hear yourself, you can reply to yourself without anyone's influence, whispering in the other ear. And sometimes I think, really, that's what a lot of people need to do is just sit down, and whether it's in their head, whether it's in the page of a journal, whether it's on a podcast they decided when they had no idea where their life was going, to just talk to yourself a little bit. I guess sometimes you do need an echo chamber, but it has to be so you can hear your own voice. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think everyone should get clean of whatever it is that they don't want in them. Because there's always something, you know? And it could be a little thing. It could just be a little thing like, oh, let me think. What's a good example here? It could be adding something to your life you know let's take somebody who works all the time so much that maybe when they get home they don't take care of their hygiene as well as they should you know you just you don't have the energy to get in that shower and then the next day you just you put on some deodorant or spray and then you go to work again and it's affecting your skin it's affecting the way you physically feel because you have all that you know crap on you it, it has a psychological effect on you, you know, being dirty. Yep. There's something about getting cleaned up, like literally getting cleaned up with you know water and soap and such that resets the mind for people. And it could be as simple as going, all right, I'm going to make sure I shower at least once a day. And I know that's a very weird example to put out there, but that's kind of the point, is that it's one of those little things that can easily be neglected Simply because you don't, you're not enforcing the willpower to get it done, and I think a lot more people can relate to that than you would think.
0: I think. another kind of again, just as like a little example is, a lot of people are working from home right now, but how many people go from working at home right into whatever societal expectations they have after it? It's they, they don't give themselves. Uh, a minute to switch off if you're working from home and and you feel like you need that little shift before you go into whatever other things you need to do whether it be you know you're going to play a video game you're going to talk to someone you're going to get something done why not just take 10 minutes sit down catch your breath unwind give it just a little bit of time to, to let yourself properly switch from what I consider work mode to home mode.
1: To being a human being mode.
0: Because when you work from home, it's really hard to disconnect the You feel like you're constantly at work. You need to find some sort of way. It could be walking to the store. It could be going out for a quick walk. But don't do it because you have to get something done. Do it because you you know you need to separate. You need to give that little bit of a detox period where I just need ten minutes away from every other expectation that I have in life.
1: 10 something, minutes. I, something I notice ever since I, you know, went through all my little detoxing here because it wasn't just the sugar you know it was also like the internet got cut out Um, video games got cut a lot of things got got cut out self loathing was something I detoxed from actually Uh I uh, started getting on top of those thoughts instead of having like letting my thoughts be kind of defeating and telling me you know that I'm some kind of freak that can't get the job done such and such took control of those And in doing that, my mind became a much more quiet place in all the right ways. And what what I uh, notice now is that those little moments you're talking about, those 10 minutes, I appreciate them now so much more because I'm not rushing into the next indulgence at this point. I'm not going from, okay, uh, I'm home from work, let's... Get on Discord is the uh, chat option everyone uses these days. Let's get on Discord so we can play the game with people or just hang out with them. What I do now is I just, I'll go out to the backyard at night and I'll sit down and I'll just look up and there's stars in the sky. And I had to think a couple weeks ago, I had to think, when was the last time I just sat down and looked at stars And it's just those little things that you kind of lose when you fall into all these bad habits that end up kind of controlling your life, you know, got to get the next cup of coffee, got to make these appointments I made with people got to do this and that. All of this I'm talking about is just lack of moderation, really. When you take moderation, you take control, When you take control, you take back your time. And then you have free time again. And free time is a good thing to have. Yeah. Especially when you're in a mindset where you can appreciate everything that's there. I would like people to do that again. I'd like that to, I'd like them to have more me time. And I'm not saying people don't. I'm not saying everyone is like a, Like, uh, what would the Boomer comics have you think, right? That they're a cyber-addicted electric zombie? I think that's a a Disturbed song, actually. Electric zombies or something like that. I don't think people are like that. But I do think that we've been infiltrated as individuals by a creep of just, you know, technology, marketing, bad habits that others would enable because it, either benefits them or it's just their lifestyle and they want to keep you in their lifestyle. And when you yeah. pull all that away, you find out that it, there's a whole other world out there that you've been not even able to look at. Sometimes I say this is the boomer show cuz I feel like we have some pretty what they would call boomer thoughts, but I think there's some value in them.
0: I think the the biggest takeaway and you kind of said it when you were talking about um, the slow infiltration, is that inch by inch, uh, meter by bloody meter, that is how wars, the big wars, the wars that we understand, have been fought.
1: Wars of ideology, for example.
0: Every, Every inch gained and lost is felt. These aren't Big victories. These are little victories that add up. And every inch that you take is an inch closer to winning the war. Right now, while there's a war of ideologies going on, there's a war of beliefs, there's also a war of trying to give yourself the best life that you know you deserve. Take those inches. Take those little victories. And move it closer to you winning that war.
1: I have one final point to add to that. Yeah. Whatever victory is, nobody can define that for you. Because everyone's war is a personal war. So you have to be the commander, the general, and the soldier that fights it. No one's going to tell you... Some people will try to tell you, but no one can tell you what your victory is. You know what that is. And you also know what your defeats are, what it means when you're losing. So you have to define that for yourself. And then you have to make your own strategy to choose which one you want. Because defeat is a simple option of surrendering. Victory is a choice of fighting, so dictate that.